Welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast, where every week I take a look inside the world of film and television with those who have lived it and experienced it. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and this is episode 298, just two weeks away from number 300. Coming up on today's show, you'll be hearing my conversation with writer-director Maceo Greenberg and actors Andrew Creer and Samantha Robinson about their upcoming film, Take Me to Tarzana, which I had the pleasure of watching a couple of weeks ago. But you'll hear more about that in the second half of today's show. But what I wanted to talk about first is a topic that's been weighing on my mind really for the last year, two years especially. What is the better medium to tell a story, film or television? Now, growing up, there were a lot of shows that I watched. You know, I remember watching Full House, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, a lot of those 90s shows that are known to you know, people my age, a little bit older, um, that were really kind of defined a generation in a way. And there are so many more that you know, I'm forgetting off the top of my head. But movies were always what I was drawn to. You know, Movies like Star Wars, um, Back to the Future, a lot of 80s and 90s films that told phenomenal stories and there are several that you know I would deem as nearly perfect movies but over the last few years television has become a really great way to tell certain stories and I think the introduction of streaming services like Netflix, Hulu, most recently Disney Plus and HBO Max I mean you see what Marvel's doing currently with WandaVision. You know, a lot of people were complaining in the beginning that it was a bit of a slow burn, but once they kind of pulled the curtain back and showed you what was really going on and answered a lot of questions, people were really getting into it. And there's something to be said about both mediums. You know, I can remember back when midnight premieres were still a thing at movies and just standing in line, you know, specifically, I remember The Force Awakens a few years ago getting my tickets and having to wait in line standing behind the theater and just waiting hours to get in the theater sit down get my popcorn get my drink and it was like that that anticipation of what was to come was there and it just kept building and building until the opening the opening crawl rolled and just hearing that beginning of the Star Wars fanfare and just hearing the crowd erupt you know stuff like that is what make that's what makes movies great or one of the many reasons I should say of what makes movies great but with television for those who might remember when Lost was a big thing when it first aired it and I'm sure other shows have done this but Lost is the one that initially comes to mind with those that and I can't remember what night of the week Lost came on but the day after, whether you were at work or you were at school, most everyone was talking about what happened on that week's episode and coming up with your own theories as to what would happen and think, well, maybe, you know, Jack will do this or maybe this will happen to Sawyer. And other shows have done that, too, like I said, but there's equal but different anticipation in a way. But what I wanted to actually talk about is what is the better medium of telling a story? And I don't know that there's any real right or wrong answer because I've been racking my brain about this the last couple of days 
knowing that this was going to be the show topic. And I don't think it's something that you can sit there and debate the best movies against the best shows. Like to me, it wouldn't be fair to ask what's better Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones. Cause we can go back and forth all day about what's the best movie versus the best show. But thinking about it is what is the better way to tell the story? And I think it really depends on what story you're wanting to tell. I mentioned WandaVision. That to me would not work as a movie. The The sitcom setting, and I'm not going to get into spoilers for those who haven't seen the most recent episodes of the show, but the sitcom setting and what's happened since then, I don't think it would quite work as a movie because with the weekly anticipation that I mentioned with Lost, and I'll get into binge watching here in a second, but you look at what WandaVision was doing and what The Mandalorian did in its past two seasons. It brought back that anticipation and discussion of what was going to come next. Because if you binge something, yeah, you already know what happens. And yeah, you can talk about what happened in certain episodes and what maybe happened in the finale. But the conversation kind of ends after that. You know, I, I talked about Cobra Kai on last week's show. That's a show that they dropped all the episodes. And I think that show is good for binging in the sense that each episode's only 30 minutes long. So you can sit there in a day and watch the entire season. I mean, I did it when it dropped on New Year's Day. And it makes for fun discussion, but as I mentioned, after like that first topic of discussion, you might talk about it the day after. You really don't talk about it all that much, but with shows like WandaVision and The Mandalorian, you wonder what's going to happen. And you look at, you know, God, when Grogu or Baby Yoda was first revealed back in the first episode of season one, everyone was like, who is he? Is he Yoda's son? Is he just another member of Yoda's species? Are we going to find out what the name of Yoda's species is? Is he force sensitive? Is he not? How... How long has he been around? What has he seen? So many fun topics to talk about. And it builds the excitement and makes you want to see it even more. And then when you get to that next episode, and for those who have been watching WandaVision, you know what I'm talking about. You want more. So that's that's the advantage of storytelling from a TV or series perspective. The advantage for movies is that you get usually the conclusion by the end of it. I mean, you have more, you can't tell as long of a story, but as far as like, you know, time-wise, but you can tell a complete story in, you know, an hour and a half to two and a half hours, however long the movie is. It can be a three and a half hour movie. But to me, you look at the structure of film, it follows a three-act structure. Act one is when you're introducing the characters, you're setting up the conflict. Act two, maybe in the beginning of act three, is when the conflict happens. And then act three is the resolution. With television, it tends to focus more on acts one and two. Obviously, you have to introduce the characters. And then there's a lot of act two. And then when the show wraps up, and I, I would throw season finales in there as well uh, to a point because, yeah, a lot of series will end you on a cliffhanger, 
but they tend to resolve something. So you can say it's Act 3 to a point, but really Act 3 for a series doesn't come along until the show ends. And with movies, you get to see character metamorphosis happen at a quicker pace, whereas in a series, it may not happen until the end of a season or before the final episode. So I really don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong way to explain it. And I will say that as much as I've loved The Mandalorian and as much as I've loved WandaVision, I still prefer the film avenue. Like I still prefer movies to TV, though I have been more open to watching different series. And a lot of it is a time thing. You know, I know there are so many great series out there and it's tough because it's, it's like that debate, you know, because we have Amazon prime, we have Netflix, Hulu, you know, I might talk with someone I'm like, Hey, did you watch the show on, on HBO max? They're like, no, I haven't got a chance to see it yet. But if you watch this latest show that's on Amazon prime, like, no, I haven't seen it yet. So there's just so much content out there and I love it because you never run out of stuff to watch really. The downside is there's only so many hours in the day, but, um, I did post something about this on Facebook, uh, earlier this evening, as I'm recording this, uh, asking for your thoughts, the viewers and listeners thoughts on what you think is better film or television. So what we have here, our first comment comes to us from Mr. Shannon Williams, fan of the show. Shannon, thank you for uh, spreading the love, spreading the word about the show. I very much appreciate it. He says the streaming sites offer a platform for independent film, which is awesome. I do love that about there being, you know, and I'll even include YouTube as an avenue for people to showcase their work. That's the advantage of modern day filmmaking is that there are so many avenues. Like you don't just have movies anymore. You, I mean, you can put movies on Netflix, but you you have so many more avenues to put your content out there if you're a creator. And I think that's great for everyone. I mean, there's a downside to it, but I mean, I've gotten into that uh, on the show several times is that, you know, there's so much content out there that it's tough to see everything. Elysia Marie, who I had on the show a couple of weeks ago, I think it depends on the story, really. Personally, I prefer movies because I want resolution, instant gratification. I don't want to wait 13 weeks for it. But if it's a story in which you don't want to leave out a lot of details and you really want to focus on the personal journey or character development, then television would be better because then you have about 8 to 26 hours, depending on how many episodes, as opposed to two. I do agree with that. And that's kind of where the advantage of TV comes in because you find, at least in my experience, when it comes to TV, you find more people are invested in the characters. You look at, I'll throw out Friends as an example. People fell in love with those characters and it's almost like you become friends with those characters. And when the show ends, it's heartbreaking because it's it's almost like, you know, a a friend who's moving that, you know, you're not going to see for a long time. That's, and I'm guilty of that too. There's been so many characters from shows that I've become invested in. And our last comment comes to us from Mr. Christian Jones, host of the fantastic people podcast that he and Reagan Bell do, which I actually appeared on 
um, a while back. So definitely check his show out. Obviously very dependent upon story. However, I do find myself leaning towards miniseries four to eight hours in length. This allows for emotional moments to breathe while also requiring stories to be tight and well thought out. Film doesn't always offer characters the opportunity to react to an event or conversation, whereas TV can sometimes get lost in this and require filler to meet a certain length requirement. But a six to ten episode miniseries, Chef Kiss, in the words of Thanos, perfectly balanced as all things should be. I'm not going to try to do a Thanos impression, but that brings up a great point, too. When it comes to TV, you usually have a certain amount of episodes that you have to fill. And every show I've watched so far has some type of filler to stretch the story. I remember, you know, I was a huge fan of Smallville back when it first premiered. And I enjoyed the ending of the show, but I felt like it went a little too long. And my girlfriend and I recently rewatched the entire series. And there was an episode in the final season that was almost like the hangover in a way where all the characters get drunk and they're trying to piece together what happened the next day. It really didn't serve any purpose to the overall story. It just felt like they were really trying to stretch out that season. So that that's where you ultimately fall short when it comes to TV as opposed to film. Film... Yeah, you might have some filler every now and then. I'm looking at you, Peter Jackson's King Kong. I didn't need to see the entire journey to Skull Island, but that's neither here nor there. So thank you guys so much for um, your comments. They're all very much appreciated. It's tough to say because it, it really, it depends on what story you're trying to tell is what I should say. There's really no right or wrong answer to which one you prefer. I just thought this would be a fun discussion to have. I still personally prefer film over television, but there are some great, great series out there as well. But coming up next on the show is my conversation with Maceo Greenberg, Andrew Creer, and Samantha Robinson from the upcoming film, Take Me to Tarzana. I had the pleasure of watching it a couple of weeks ago, and I very much enjoyed it. If you're a fan of films like The Big Lebowski, in office space, you will enjoy it very much. That drops later this week. Um, you'll hear the more information about where you can watch it later on the show. But hopefully you guys enjoy this conversation with Maceo, Andrew, and Samantha. Welcome back to the Derek Diamond Experience podcast, and joining me this week is not one, not two, but three guests. My first, I think, three-person interview that I've done virtually since the pandemic, so this is going to be this is going to be a lot of fun. But uh, joining me first is writer-director Maceo Greenberg. Maceo, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having us today, Derek. Absolutely. And also joining us is uh, actor Andrew Creer. Andrew, how are you? Well, thanks, Derek. How are you? Doing fantastic. I, for those who are watching the video version, I think you might have the coolest backdrop that I've ever seen. You've just got quite the hat collection. And you're wearing a pretty cool hat yourself. <laughs> I'll be changing them throughout. Don't worry. Oh, good, show. good. I wouldn't expect anything less. <laughs> <laughs> and also joining us is actress Samantha Robinson. Samantha, how are you? Absolutely. No, definitely. Definitely looking forward to it. So 
Uh, you three are here to talk about a film that Amacia wrote and directed, and Andrew, you and Samantha starred in, called Take Me to Tarzana, which I had the pleasure of watching this morning. And I don't want to get into spoilers uh, for those who haven't seen it. Well, when this interview drops, it'll be the day before it's released. But uh, I wanted to start off by saying that one of my all-time favorite movies is The Big Lebowski. And as the movie progressed, I got a very Big Lebowski-esque feel where you have these seemingly ordinary characters and they're just thrown into this crazy situation and things just get really out of control. So uh, that was one of the first things that I noticed from the movie. Uh, Maceo, did you have any type of specific inspiration uh, with uh, older films when writing this movie? Oh, absolutely. And you really uh, hit the nail on the head there. Coen Brothers are one of my all-time filmmaking heroes and just love their films. And The Big Lebowski, absolutely big influence on this particular film, as well as uh, some other classics like The Office and The Apartment, oddly enough, and many others. But uh, yeah, the Coen Brothers are big influence for sure. I could definitely tell. And also, you mentioned The Office. The beginning had kind of an office space feel to me because the, the majority of the first, I'd say, third of the movie takes place in an office building. And you get the sense that these characters aren't quite what they seem. But yeah, it, it just kind of had that that type of feel to it. And I, I consider that, you know, really, really cool as well. So it kind of started as an office space type feel and then transitioned into something that I felt was almost different, but kind of the same in a way, if if that makes sense. But um, I did want to ask you uh, also, Maceo, because you, again, wrote the film. What inspired this this idea of yours? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think ultimately I wanted to, to uh, create a film that at its core was a, a fun and entertaining and wild ride. But uh, I also kind of wanted to subvert that traditional stoner comedy by taking a look at some heavier, you know, weightier subjects like data privacy in the current digital age that we're living in and gender inequality in the workplace and student loan debt and issues that are facing the millennial generation, younger generations right now. So ultimately, you know, I kind of thought there, there's, there are two ways to go at this. It's either you go the heavier dramatic route and you take, a, you know, a darker look at the at these issues or you try and you know break that down a bit and and hopefully break down some some walls by going through the comedic uh door so ultimately comedy was the way to go i felt <laughs> well and especially with it being a dark comedy too because there are very dark moments and dark situations that happen throughout the movie but to maintain that certain comedic quality while having those dark moments i, I thought was really cool Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, that was definitely a balancing act and, and it only worked because honestly, we had such a stellar cast and these rock stars who brought the characters to life and fully committed to the world. Uh, without them, it just wouldn't have worked. So I uh, got to tip my hat to, to these rock stars here. Well, speaking of rock stars, uh, we'll start with you, Andrew. How did you hear about this project and what made you want to be involved? Uh, so Ricky Masler, who is a casting director who I've become very close with, she sent me this script and uh, she sent me the audition as well. And I had a read and just went, oh my God, this is 
this is another level. Um, I loved, I love the wild characters around the main characters. And I just, you know, it, it spoke very quickly to me. Uh, the, the wild eccentricity of a lot of the characters, it just seemed like a lot of fun. And then I met Maceo after doing uh, an audition for him. And then uh, I, I loved his passion and I loved what he had to say about what he wants to do with the film and, the rest is history. Um, we met a few times after that and then we met Sam and yeah, I mean, it's just it, from, from start to finish, it was just a wild ride the whole time. And honestly, looking at those characters around you all day on set, you're just blown away by what people were bringing and the choices they were making. And it made it, it made our job so easy because we're more grounded in, in, you know, the world around us, but it was just fun. It was all fun. Every day we got to set, it was just everyone was having the time of their lives. So, yeah, a lot of thanks to Maceo for that. And what about you, Samantha? How did you hear about the project and what made you want to get involved? Well, I actually had worked with Maceo when I was still at UCLA. Sorry, my cat is coming. <laughs> <laughs> the animals um, always want to be the star of the show. I know. Mm -hmm. Um, so we worked together then and we had a great time and we just stayed in contact and then when he had this script ready he sent it to me and I loved it and I said of course I want to be you know part of this project and then it kind of I don't know how many months after that but it just kind of the ball just picked up and then we were shooting and um, yeah I had a blast definitely had a great time on the shoot <laughs> no it definitely seemed like a, a, a fun time uh, on set, do each of you have a particular, you know, maybe moment either behind the scenes or a scene that you were filming that that stands out as being like a fun memory or a funny moment? Uh, Maceo, we'll start with you. Oh man, that's a tough one. Yeah, we had some good times, like like both Sam and Andrew uh, said. A lot of uh, challenging days. We had some for really really long days, including overnights. But I think. Um, you know, there are a couple of fun days uh, in the Valley, of course, we shot so much in, in and around the Valley. Uh, one, one day in particular, we were, we had everybody, the cast and crew on a bus, like a, a giant bus. And we shot some stuff on the bus, but then we also were using the bus to get us from location to location. It was like the most practical picture car you could ever imagine. So uh, we were running around the city and grabbing all these, these, uh, these shots and unique shots. And we had, we also, uh, that same day we're shooting with Maria Kinchi Alonso. It was a lot, a lot of fun to have, um, always is, is fun to, to work with. And so that was a, that was a lot of fun, but day was a blast. Andrew, any particular moment stand out for you? That day was a lot of fun, mostly because we had to get a certain amount of shots done by the time the sun went down and we're racing around all of LA in areas that I, you know, I've never been to. I didn't even know they existed. And we're out there, Maceo and I, we just grab the camera, throw it up, walk, 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 throw the camera up somewhere else, walk, 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 walk. And it was just fun. It felt like we're guerrilla shooting. And I mean, they came out incredible. The, the shots that we got, I can guarantee you nobody's ever shot there before. We're walking past communities of homeless people. It just felt really authentic. What we were trying to create from the movie is a look at Tarzana and a look at the world. And it was just fun. You know, it was, it was a great day. Um, but apart from that, Jonathan, I could not keep a straight face the whole time from start to finish. Like every he was take, great. I was, oh, my God. Oh, I could not. I, that guy, I can't <laughs> not laugh at the whole time. Uh, what about you, Samantha? 
feel like my favorite days were when we were in Malibu. Uh, we were shooting when we went to the Leah Giorgio's house and we had the monkey there. And <laughs> I loved like getting to meet the monkey and we were doing a bunch of night shoots. So it was, you know, it was very tiring, but everyone was together and uh you know everyone's so hilarious as andrew said so it's just like non-stop laughter <laughs> anywhere i turn but no i think i think those days were my favorite just because you know all the cast and crew were there and we were just kind of doing these crazy night shoots, and there was a monkey and there's jonathan being hilarious with a bunch of you know drugs <laughs> it was great and then yeah uh owen Harn comes in on a Oh no, like that string. Oh my God. <laughs> Improv. We had no idea he was going to do that. So yeah, <laughs> it was great. Good times. <laughs> I have to ask, are there any good outtakes from any of those scenes with Jonathan or uh, the actor who played Giorgio? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that stuff is insane. They're, they're, it's totally insane. And we have, I mean, there, there are a few in the, in the bloopers at the end, there are a few, I think, but yeah, too much to, just so much insanity at <laughs> that place. Now, did you let them have freedom to improv when it came to to certain scenes or did they strictly go like by your script? Because it, it, it seemed very, with those two characters, because they were so over the top at times, it kind of made me wonder, did they come up with some of that stuff on their own or was it strictly what you wrote on paper? Yeah, I mean... We we definitely had a, a, a pretty strict script, but at the same time, um, I'm all about like the the actors taking those moments to the next level if they feel inspired to try something. So you know, both uh, Owen uh, Owen and also Chris Coppola, they who played uh, Schmeltz, those both those guys actually like to try different things. And um, some of that ended up making it into the film. Uh, you'd probably guess, if, if pick a few of them out, but, but yeah, so they, they definitely were giving me some different options, like in terms of uh, a few of those moments, but, um, but uh, yeah, they, they definitely uh, took that stuff to the next level. Well, I think that also speaks to another strength of the film and that is, yeah, um, Miles and Jan's story or Jane's story is centric to the plot, but all the other characters play very crucial roles. So it's almost like an ensemble cast in a way. And I, I love movies like that where all characters have purposes and specific roles that affect the overall story. So that, that was one of my favorite aspects of the movie as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. I mean, you know, Andrew and Samantha just had such, such a difficult roles to play and they did it so masterfully because they had to they had to really ground the movie they had to, to to balance the film and all of these outlandish and crazy characters only worked because they did such a good job of grounding us in in the moment and grounding us in the film and it allows those those characters and those parts to to really you know kind of play off bounce off of each other so um, I think that, that balancing act, that ensemble cast, like you're saying, worked because of that of the balance the cast had and, and the different strengths that um, you know our, our talent had with the film in the film. And something that I want to ask uh, Samantha, both you and Andrew, is that there are a lot of comedic moments in the film, but there are also some very heavy and dark moments as well. 
specifically something that kind of shocked me in the beginning was uh, Schmeltz, the, the boss character, had surveillance cameras set up throughout the, the office and was essentially spying on all the female workers in the film. And there, there's a, a moment at the end when um, Jane has that just kind of raw, like emotional spill of words at Schmeltz. So Samantha, I wanted to ask you, how did you prepare for those moments like that um, and playing that role? Yeah, I, was, I honestly thought, I pretended I was talking to Trump <laughs> or just substituting that character for one of the many horrible people that are on this planet. So yeah, no, I just kind of substituted and tried to connect and pull from experiences that I've had in the past and um, made it felt real to me. <laughs> what about you, Andrew? How did you, how did you prepare for the role of Miles? Well, I think for Miles, a lot of it was just keeping it grounded in reality. That's what I loved about the character. It was just him reacting to the chaos of the world around. So a lot of my friends back in Australia are in the corporate world. Everyone I know pretty much is a sort of nine to five suit wearing guy. And they all, I've watched them over years and years become slower and slower, softer and softer, a bit more bored. And then I've sort of got to a point with a lot of them where I can barely even talk to them. They just sort of have their regime in life and that's what it is. And I wanted to sort of play Miles starting like that. And then, you know, we, we find where the light comes from and him trying to find himself and find what he used to be, find what he loves. So it was just a journey of love, really. Find, connect to who he is, what he can do. Uh, go past the sort of facade that he thinks he has to be to to live in this nine to five job and just uh, live in that. So it was, it was really fun exploring it. And yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was a journey that I hope I never have to do uh, working a nine to five job. But yeah, no, it was, uh, it was really interesting. And uh, I really enjoyed playing Miles. Yeah. Well, the cool thing about the Miles character is that you know, you hit the nail on the head that he's essentially this ordinary character who's thrown into an extraordinary situation because you see he goes to his job you can tell he doesn't like it then he walks home makes his bologna sandwich plays with his dog and like everybody can relate to that or have been in that type mm. of situation before so mm. i i think you know the the miles jane storyline added a degree of realism i think because i like as i'm watching the movie i could see these two characters and i'm like I, I could see these two, like if these two characters existed in real life, I could see them being, you know, the, the fun couple that everyone would want to be friends with. I also feel like, you know, a lot of people can relate to those characters because of, you know, what's been going on that most people are overqualified and underpaid and there's not a lot of job opportunities and people are working so hard and people are frustrated. So I think, especially now, it's a time when people can really relate to these characters and want mm. them to fight back and root for them, for sure. Well, and even too, you know, kind of going to the, the invasion of privacy uh, storyline that happens throughout the film and there's a quote in the movie and I, I'm paraphrasing it but it's under the digital or living under the digital microscope and that really kind of got the gears turning in my head you know for those who are active on social media it's like your your life is out there and when you mm -hmm. see the storyline well I don't want to get 
too much into spoilers, but things happen with identities that kind of seemed all too real in a way, but in a good way, because it really made you think. And I, I like movies that really make you think about things that are going on in the real world. And Samantha, to your point, too, you know, the whole overqualified and underpaid, you know, so many people feel that way. So I, I think the movie spoke volumes about things that go on in real life, too. Mm. Yeah, but uh, I did also want to ask uh, from kind of a, a technical side, uh, how long did it take you guys to shoot the film? So I, we shot 18 days uh, in and around the valley for the most part. Uh, and the end of the shoot, we I believe we finished with six overnights in a row uh, or something along those lines. And Wow, that was that pushed I think everybody their limits, but we, <laughs> along with the the long days, but we we made it happen. I mean, the the trickiest part was probably last night. We loaded into the old zoo cages, uh, in Los Angeles, the old LA Zoo. We loaded in at midnight, um, the last night, and somehow we pulled it off. And those shots, I just I love, I love those, I love those scenes. I love how they turned out. Um, I know I'm kind of going uh, off script here, but uh, off the question here, but I, it was, I like that, how that stuff turned out a lot. It's crazy that it only took you guys 18 days because there were so many different locations that you guys used too. That's, that's insane. It was insane. We were insane to do what we did, but thankfully we had a really great team uh, and we, we really uh, had a great game plan um, going into, we pre-produced the hell out of the film. Like we, we really did. We, we had a very, very, um, clear plan for what we wanted to accomplish. And the only way we could accomplish our goals was sticking to that, to that plan, because of, like you said, we had an extremely aggressive schedule uh, and timeline with the number of locations that we had, and we didn't want to sacrifice quality. So we had, we had it dialed in um, and that, and that was the only way we could actually, you know, execute on what we wanted to get. So. That was actually going to be my next question is how much pre-production went into it, because if it only took you 18 days, it had to be, you had to have everything planned, like down to the second, it seems like. Yeah, we did. We really did. Um, we, we had it pretty well plotted out um, from start to finish, and uh, we did not have much room for error. So um, pretty much no room for error. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but thank, thankfully, you know, it, everybody did their part, and we're, we had a great crew who just worked tirelessly um, to really just kill themselves. And Again, you know, amazing cast and, and who all worked so hard and were overprepared, just ready to go from take one and gave their all and not only their, their stuff, but also when, it, you know, when it wasn't their coverage, they were giving their all like Samantha and Andrew are both such generous um, actors, they give their all on every take. And so it makes everybody else better. You know, it makes the rest of the, 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 the cast better because everybody's given 100%. Well, I can imagine it's got to be inspiring to all three of you, but Maceo, to you especially, because you wrote and directed this film, to see the cast and crew be as motivated and inspired as you, that, that had to be a really gratifying feeling. Incredibly gratifying. Yeah, it, it's, I love production. That's what I'm passionate about. I love the collaborative experience. I love being on set and, and working with the teams to figure out these complicated challenges and trying to make each challenge is as interesting and as, as good as it can be. And, 
And uh, it's, it's so much more fun and enjoyable when you get to collaborate with people who are, like you said, equally invested in, in trying to do something cool and also challenging themselves, you know, pushing themselves to, to deliver um, something special. Absolutely. Something I do want to ask each of you to kind of get a little bit off topic, but I, I'm curious about all of your backgrounds and what made you want to be an actor or a writer director. Uh, Andrew, what, what to you, what made you want to become an actor? Is it something that you knew you wanted to do at an early age or was it something that you just kind of randomly discovered? Uh, yeah, more the randomly discovered really. I, uh, I got sent from, from, uh, a country town where I grew up on a big cattle property and sort of went to school with about 10, 15 people in my year. Um, and then got sent to a boarding school and, I just didn't know how to socialize in a, in a city. And uh, I got in a lot of trouble with anger and uh, just had a few issues, got booted from a few schools. And then I started doing drama just as a bludge at one school. And uh, the drama teacher was just took me under a wing and just, you know, gave me the chance to speak. And I remember there was one monologue where we had to write it and present it ourselves. And I, I didn't really have much interest, but then for some reason, I got really into it and I, I put a lot into the writing of it and then I presented it and the lights went down and I just remember it going silent and then I did my performance and the lights came back up and I just remember looking around and feeling that was the first time I'd ever really been heard and I just went oh this is it this is the only thing I love I, I love being able to just be here in the silence I love knowing that whatever's going on, there's eyes on you. And it's, it's all in that energy between you and the audience. And I just, from that point on, it was just, how do I do this forever? And uh, from that point on, I went off to a theater school for three years um, and trained professionally. And then uh, a year after that came over to the States after doing a bit in Australia. And uh, yeah, that's about it. That's fantastic. And no, it's true that most everyone that I talk to, once they get, that first little taste of, you know, directing or acting, you know, it's what you want to do because you don't want to do anything else because yeah. it's something that you either love or mm. you don't like, there's really no yeah. in between because of the time and dedication that you have to put in to, to be the best that you can. So that's, that's awesome. Uh, Samantha, what about you? Um, so basically I started doing um, drama when I was living in, in London I, we did Lambda back then. And um, I just was really involved in drama and I loved it from such an early age. And then um, went to performing arts high school uh, in Miami. And then I went to UCLA for acting. So I, I actually knew I wanted to act since I started, like since I was seven, I would say. <laughs> I've just always had And then my mom tried to convince me to do something else, but I couldn't let it go. And <laughs> I, yeah, I've just always wanted to act and um, I actually really like doing theater. I really like that community aspect mm -hmm. and like so that bond that you form. So kind of with Mace too, there's just something so magical about being on set and the connection of everyone on the crew and the, all the cast. So um, yeah, I can't wait to get back <laughs> to work. Yeah. Well, and it, it almost becomes like extended family whenever you're on a set because you spend so much time together, you know, you spend 10 plus hour days. It's like you spend more time with them than you do your normal friends or family. So it's almost like, you know, 
extended family in a way. Yes, it really is. Uh, what about you, Maceo? Yeah, well, so, I mean, I've just been obsessed with movies <laughs> my, my entire life. Uh, like, I think anybody who wants to make them, you have to love them first, right? And, um, you know, I, I grew up just being totally captivated by, by films and, and um, just finding um, beauty and, and humor. And, and uh, I think also healing in some ways too, I think it's such a beautiful art form that it really does allow you to kind of like find those, those rejuvenative moments. And so, um, you know, early on, I knew I wanted to, to get into filmmaking. And so I started to just trying, you know, doing terrible stuff, making horrible, horrible things like repeatedly. And then finally they got a little bit better. And I said, okay, well, I want to get like a lot better. So how do I do that? And I said, okay, I gotta go to film school. So I went to film school and, and, you know, met a bunch of, of really cool and creative folks and, and got, got a little bit better at making them. And, and then, you know, you then continue to work with those folks and, and you try and get better and better. And so, yeah, ultimately, uh, after film school, um, kind of uh, just continued on with it. And since then, I went to Long Beach State, um, made music videos and commercials and TV shows and, and films. And, and yeah, here we are. I just want to keep doing it. Like, like uh, Andrew and Samantha both uh, said, you know, it's like once you get a taste of it and you know that you're, you can't stop. Like you just, it's what drives you to keep, keep going. And even through the difficulty, uh, like you mentioned, you know, you just, you, you have to keep going. <laughs> There's no choice. Yeah, I no, I, I'll go ahead. I agree with you. If you have something else that you are passionate about, <laughs> I mean, it might be easier to, to go that way because you do have your entire, you know, fiber of your being to try <laughs> to work, to make it work. So it, it is true. Yep. Agreed. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, and it, it's, and I, Macy, you made a great point where you, you were talking about you made things before you go, you went to film school and they were terrible. But one of the best ways that you can learn, especially in the industry, is to try and fail. Mm. Because when you fail, sometimes that's where you learn your best lessons. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. I couldn't agree more with that. You, you can't get better unless you, unless you fail and you learn from that and you just keep learning and challenging yourself. And I try and learn, I, I mean, I'm, I hope I keep learning endlessly. You know, I think it's a, it's a, a work in progress. You know, you're, I'm always learning and, and trying to challenge myself and, and grow more. And I think that's what, you know, part of being an artist is want is that hunger for, for curiosity, right? Like trying to learn new things and, and perfect your craft and keep getting better at it. So, yeah. Absolutely. But uh, as we start to wrap up here, I did want to ask each of you, uh, do you have any other uh, projects that are in the works or things that maybe you would like to do? I know things are still relatively shut down, especially out on the West Coast. So um, anything in the works or anything like that? Uh, Macy, we'll start with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got a few things in the works right now. Um, it's been slow. It's been uh, the age of COVID has has not been helpful. <laughs> but uh, there's some some projects that are, that are in various states of uh, development here, and um, I'm I'm hoping to to get some stuff rolling here in the not too distant future once it gets a little bit easier and safer um, to to shoot. But mostly shut down currently. But always writing and always um, developing new uh, materials and scripts and and um that's something we can do right now so mm. been very busy there samantha 
Um, so I have a project that it got pushed back. It's a horror film called The Young. And I think it's going to be moving forward sometime in May. So keeping my fingers crossed for that. Um, and I had a short film that Oliver, who played Charles in Take Me to Tarzana, uh, was actually in the short film with me that just came out. You can watch it if you want. It's online. And um, just also some other uh, director, writers that I've worked with for this other short film that I did. We've been doing like a little quarantine project that I just filmed from home. So hopefully more of that moving forward. And um, just saying, yeah, just trying to stay busy, optimistic, see what happens, <laughs> what new projects come my way. So we'll see. <laughs> I'm, I'm hopeful for this year. I definitely am. <laughs> what about you, Andrew? Uh, well, it, it's uh, fortunately the world in Australia right now is a bit more open than what I'm sure you guys are used to at the moment. Uh, they've handled it really well. So it does mean that productions are going ahead. Uh, but for me right now, it's been a great period of just writing uh, and, and taking a step at, at different, uh, different positions in a production. And uh, so, yeah, I've got uh, three short films that I'm producing coming up in the next uh, six weeks. I think we're doing one every two weeks, um, starting in two weeks. So we're just in pre-production for all of them. Um, and they're variations on similar casts in different stories. But... Uh, yeah, just just uh, been doing them. Had a performed in a few short films myself, but there's really you know apart from the big big production in Australia, there's really not all that many you know indies and smaller budget things. There's never really been that sort of industry. So uh, yeah, just taking things as they come, and you know I'm just happy that we have some form of freedom and ability to perform and produce pictures here. Well, and that's been one of the positive aspects of the whole COVID-19 slash quarantine situation is it does give you the opportunity to learn new things. Mm. You know, that if you can't act, then you can learn how to write and you can learn, you know, I, I think one of the biggest things that um, I know I've talked with several people who have done this is, you know, take online classes on screenwriting, mm. on directing, you know, ways to still perfect your craft, even though you can't physically do it right now so there, there's been there's been some good aspects of of covid which is weird to say because we, all we've heard about is the negative but you got to take the good sometimes yeah plenty but but um one of the last things i want to ask you guys and andrew we'll start with you what is one piece of advice that you could give to someone who wants to work in the film industry okay one piece of advice jesus no pressure <laughs> um, look i i think it's it's very obvious if you should be in this industry because it's more than a relationship it's more than anything you're going to love ever in the rest of your life it is everything to you and it's not a decision then it is what you are just like any artist is confound and brought to their knees by what they do it's all they think about no matter what they're doing so look it's not a decision if it's a decision you know or you don't so you know just make sure you know i like that yeah samantha i would say i would say to have even if you don't feel confident to pretend like you're confident and not be so afraid 
of asking for things and you know people are nicer than you think I think in you know my years my younger years I was very intimidated by you know reaching out maybe and I think now with a few more years I mean like you know what what's the worst that will happen they'll say no and just you know put yourself out there a bit more have a little bit more confidence and go for it and another piece of advice I would say is that not to put your whole self-worth in the projects that you're doing, that you're still a very interesting person with a lot to offer. You're, you know, you're a good person, have family, friends, don't put your whole entire self-worth in what was your last project, because that's just a slippery slip. (laughs) And what about you, Maceo? Oh, I I agree with both Andrew and Samantha's points. Those are great. Um, And then I, I would also add to that, that, well, one, don't take no for an answer because you're going to hear no after no, after no, after no, after no. And don't let that, uh, don't let that bring you down too much. Uh, and don't take, and also don't accept it because ultimately you have kind of control over if you want to go do something or make something, go, go, go make it. You can make it happen. Even there are a lot of different levels of what that means and it's, it's possible. So I would say don't take no for an answer. And then two, and more importantly, be nice to those you work with and be kind to those um, in your cast and your crew, because ultimately those are the people who you're going to be working with, hopefully for the rest of your, your life, if you're lucky, and they're going to throw you work and you're going to throw them work and you're going to collaborate on projects. And, and, and so be, be nice, (laughs) just, just be, be kind to the people you work with because everybody's working really hard and trying to pursue what they, what they love for the most part. And so I think, um, you know, that's, sometimes forgotten in the industry. Like, don't just, just be nice. <laughs> be nice to people. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of uh, an inspirational quote that I saw on Instagram. It had a picture of uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and Bradley Cooper shaking hands. And the caption said, you're never too important to be nice to people. Absolutely. Love it. That is, it's good stuff. But last thing before you guys get out of here, and Andrew, we'll start with you. Do you have any social media or website that you'd like to plug so the listeners can follow you? Yeah, I'm mostly on Instagram, to be honest. Uh, Andrew Career, simple as that. Samantha? Um, Also pretty much mainly on Instagram. Um, And it's um, at Miss Robinson with a U. And last but not least, Maceo. Yeah, great to follow along either on our website, which is uh, or take you can follow us on Instagram, take me to Darzana Film, uh, on Instagram and Facebook, and on Twitter, take me to Darzana. So please follow us and join our journey. Become a Tarzana. Love it. Well, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to do this uh, interview. And I really enjoyed the movie, and I can't wait to see uh, what you guys do next. Thank you so much. Thank you, Derek. Hat's coming your way. Thanks again to Maceo Greenberg, Andrew Creer, and Samantha Robinson for coming on the show to talk about Take Me to Tarzana. As I mentioned, it's a really fun film. I'm so happy that I had the chance to watch it. Can't wait for you guys to see it when it drops later this week. Be sure to follow the film on social media to find out where you can watch it. And thank you to those who submitted their thoughts on what medium you think is better, film or television. I'm really loving... Uh, these talking segments uh, that have been a nice addition to the show. And it's definitely going to be something that I keep 
moving forward. So thank you guys for that. For next week's show, I'll be chatting with actress Victoria Gordon about her upcoming web series, Pilot Season. And I'll also be celebrating the history of black film. February is Black History Month. So I thought it'd be a nice discussion to discuss, you know, some of the earlier films uh, that feature African-Americans, as well as some of the newer ones like Judas and the Black Messiah. So be sure to come back next week for that really fun episode. And in two weeks, we'll be celebrating 300 episodes of the Derek Diamond Experience. I'll be doing a live show Tuesday, March 2nd at 7.30 p.m. Central Time on Facebook Live. I'll be chatting with actor Brian O'Halloran, who you might know from the Clerks films. I'll also be discussing top five moments from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, WandaVision finale predictions, the latest news in the world of entertainment. It's going to be a really fun show. Hopefully you stop by. Again, that's going to be Tuesday, March 2nd at 7.30 p.m. Central Time. But until then, you can check out past episodes of the show on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. And if you could, please leave a review. The more reviews I get, the more visible I become to the podcasting public. If you want to follow me on social media, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Podcast. You can also find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash ddiamondpodcast. And of course, thank you to my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers, for providing the theme music for the podcast. You can check out all their music on Apple Music, Google Play, and Spotify. That's going to do it for this week's show, so enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another awesome episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next Thursday. <laughs>